All right, everyone, it's Thursday. I'm Andrew Dowd. It's time for our Happening in the Hamptons podcast, our weekly breakdown in the Hamptons market, new listings, and events on the East End. We are sponsored today by New York Title Abstract, the Hamptons' leading title insurance firm. Visit New York Title. Dot com. Joining us is Steve Glick, Dave Retiner, and today I'm going to say longtime listeners, first time callers. <laughs> Whether that's true or not, that's not important. Aaron Downey and Stephanie Janice, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, finally, first time on the podcast, yes? Yes, first time on the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, uh, excited to be here. So, so let's talk. I, I know we, we've kind of been discussing a couple topics we wanted to bring up. And one of the things that I don't know that we've really talked about much on the podcast is lead generation. So if you're not in real estate, uh, that is probably one of, fair to say, the most important things, because how do you make a deal without a lead, right? Whether that's hmm. a buyer, seller, get a listing. Um, so what, what is lead generation and how do you, how do you generate those, those fresh leads? Well, we were just talking about how sometimes in this business, approaching it a little bit more organically and person personally, rather than business, um, actually develops a better relationship with you and the client. So for example, if you're at the playground and you happen to have a couple of kids running around rather than approach the person and just start talking real estate, First, you get acquainted with them, you find out a little bit about them, what they like, what their kids like, and naturally it matriculates into a nice conversation that is organically leads into real estate and what their needs are and potentially what their wants are and et cetera. And you're building a relationship that's like longstanding far after you know real estate. And even if you get into real estate with them or not, it's just something that good relationship building. And it also helps you if they are interested in buying, renting, or selling to find out what their needs are and to be able to deliver them houses that fit what they're looking for. Like you said, if they have a family, if they have a dog, they're going to need room and, and, and rooms to live and play in. And you're going to be able to identify those things and show them houses and like save them time in the, at the end of the day. So I think it's a great idea to just get to know them before you just start diving into them and just selling real estate. You know, what's funny is before, before I moved up here and worked in real estate, I worked in racing specifically with NASCAR. And one of the best pieces of advice somebody ever gave me was they said, when you're talking to a crew chief, a driver, somebody, whatever, if you want to get like a real answer out of them for an interview, um, start by talking about something other than racing, which is like counterintuitive, right? It's like, yeah. what do they want to talk about all the time? It's like racing, racing, racing. But like they get to ask all those questions all the time. So it's mm -hmm. like the, the softer play is to go in there with a couple things that are maybe unrelated and then sort of weave into what you're, you know, the, the topic that, that you need or want to discuss. So kind of the same thing with real estate. It's like, instead of being like, hey, my name's Aaron and I can sell your house. It's like, okay. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> 100%. We notice that all the time. Even when Stephanie and I approach people, I, th I believe the hardest approach is via phone. Okay. They can't see you. They don't really know who you are. And um, I believe that during COVID, I believe that a lot of the end users, homeowners, et cetera, were really approached uh, in an aggressive manner mm -hmm. by people that aren't really from the Hamptons. They're not specifically Hamptons brokers. They don't really know anything about local and kind of like the general culture here. I think that uh, they were pressed hard for a, for You're a fast, totally right. yeah. for a fast sale. Right. And I think now Stephanie and I actually have, and all of us in real estate have even a harder job because now there's a real finesse and a massage, if you will, mm -hmm. to that conversation that can go really bad, really fast. 
Uh, so you have to kind of keep like an optimistic tone in your voice. You almost have to sound a little bit uh, humble. Mm -hmm. And expect them to almost not want to hear from you. So you kind of have to be on your toes. Yeah. And you're building this personal relationship. Like the process of purchasing a home could take months and months until you find the right property. So there's a lot of texts, phone calls, communication. And then when you do identify the property, you have to trust the person that they're going to negotiate the deal on the best on your behalf. So it is about a relationship more than like the sale of the property because you're going to be together for a long haul, especially now if you're also now listing the property for sale, you're helping them get ready, hire local attorneys. You're really like a partner with them and mm. like family at some cases, like helping them with their biggest decision of their life. And they need to be able to trust the agent that they're going to work with. So I think you guys do a good job of like saying, Hey, we're focused on building the relationship first the personal relationship first and then get into the business relationship. But what I'm trying to figure out is like creating those relationships. So you meet them out, you know? So I always wondered, you know, there's all of these summer events, you know, the white tent parties in the Hamptons, like how valuable really is it to you to go to those events? Like I go to those events sometimes, but <laughs> you no, know, nothing really happens. I'm not really selling anything. You know, I never expect much out of it, but I know other people who I feel like it's like very important. It seems like for their business to go cause they're always there. And I, you know, you always see those people. So how important are those like networking events, you know, meeting people outside of, you know, a phone call or meeting them in the street or something like that? Well, I think the networking events are great, but it's really about getting involved in the community, mm. going to, mm. to the different villages, seeing what they have to offer, meeting kind of the network in, you know, Sag Harbor, East Hampton, kind of expanding your network other than your standard, you know, school friends. Um, so that's like a great way to do it. But the networking events are fun. You're going to see a lot of city people. You're going to expand your network as well as um, kind of find new buyers. Uh, Definitely. You're never not working. Yeah. Every, right. every your existence is working. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Everything is an opportunity to meet somebody new, and you never know where that's going to go because somebody may, they may. Oh, I've been like lightly looking. I'm interested, but it might be a year or two before exactly. they actually are ready to buy or sell or whatever the case may be. And how you treat them in that moment, maybe that lasting impression that a year from now they call and they're like, you know, like. I wasn't ready then, but you were so nice to me and I appreciate all the time you gave me. Um, I'm ready now. And you're like, who, who are you? And you're like, oh, oh yeah, definitely. It's funny, Aaron, definitely, you said something yeah. before. You said the hardest thing for you is the phone call. Like you like the personal seeing somebody face to face and communicating. And a lot of agents are the opposite. They like to hide behind the phone call and rather do the easy way out and send a quick text message. You're like the opposite. Hey, I'd rather meet for a cup of coffee. Let's go out for dinner. Let's She's very extroverted. Like, yeah. Let's talk in person. Let's get out of the house and off of technology. So I think that goes a long way, especially with you know COVID. Everyone was, no one was doing that face-to-face -face communication. They were getting bombarded with cold calls and text messages and emails. You're, you're just eliminating all that and saying let's meet let's build a relationship and i think that is ultimately going to bring you uh, a lot of success i think it's right i mean look when i get on the phone depending on who i'm calling you actually never know who's going to pick up the other end of that phone <laughs> and then when they do you're immediately faced with a decision 
And the decision is pretty much how am I going to even like control the tonality of my voice right now (laughs) so that this person doesn't hang up. It's interesting just how quick things can go in the right direction if Mm -hmm. you just kind of, you know, uh, cultivate the relationship and make sure that their end goal is met and you do it in the most uh, honest, you know, upright manner. And uh, that's how I've always kind of succeeded. And Stephanie is definitely a compliment to that. She has just a friendly, like, look. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you, guys are both, you guys are both very social people. You're very friendly people. Yeah, presentation is key. You know, like, you're selling yourself. You know, there's so many agents, you're all competing out there. But the end thing is, like, you're selling yourself. Why someone is going to entrust their biggest asset with you guys to execute, you know, professionalism across the board? And they want to be able to, you got to be able to present well, speak, and be knowledgeable. Let me ask you a question. How important is it to keep the relationship after the property closes? So many agents, they do the deal, thing is sold, and that's it. You know, how important to you is is keeping that relationship going? It's so important. The the effect of a good relationship in a business such as real estate, closing a transaction on a really good note with a client and just keeping that relationship with them leads to so many referrals. And just so many other blossoming opportunities, neighbors, friends, whatever it may be. And like, not even that on a personal level, I've met so many clients that have literally changed my life, um, helped me with like difficulties that I really couldn't, you know, get any advice from somebody in my inner circle. And they just, you know, may have walked that path already. And, you know, the relationship becomes personal so fast that they share like personal experiences with you. And you kind of all of a sudden realize that, you know, you're not alone. It's a very intimidating business. I think that a lot of people uh, prefer to send a text or an email because Mm -hmm. they've gotten shut down in the past. Like somebody has been mean to them. And I think it really affects your self-esteem, your willingness to try again. It's like falling off a horse. You fall off, you don't get back on. You're likely never to get back on. So I, (laughs) I can relate. Um, and I can also just appreciate a client. You know, I just actually met a client. Stephanie heard the call the other day. I sold her house in Sagaponic, sold her a an, an alternative property in uh, Sag Harbor. The home in Sagaponic was her summer home. Uh, she had a marriage there. She had three children in that home from, you know, diapers to, you know, graduating college. Um, and, you know, uh, got priced out of the neighborhood, if you will, you know, her marriage had, you know, dissolved and she's now a single individual. She was looking to capitalize on this asset that she kind of, you know, inherited and try to, you know, keep that, those funds to, you know, kind of like keep the grease on, on the gears, if you will, now that she's in her upper seventies and not really producing an income. Um, and I just brought my five month over to her house in Sag Harbor the other day and she was carrying her around for two hours and is now going to be her godmother. Oh, wow. Um, wow. And she also wants to potentially list the home in Sag Harbor for rent and sale and, you know, buy another fixer upper through me. And, um, I don't know. I just, I have a, I have a question. Yeah. How, how do you navigate? So you know, like I have noticed that about you in particular, that like your customers are like your friends, you know, like you got, you clearly like care about them. And, but how do you navigate people that, you know, 
offer you uh, an opportunity to sell their house, but they're like these horrible, difficult people. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that situation? Do you just act much more professional and just keep it standoffish? Or do you, you know, just kind of not be there and let somebody else take over? So it's a really good question. And in the past, I had a team with my husband and I many moons ago, and we were always good cop, bad cop kind of a thing. Um, And so if I was on the phone with a guy that was simply numbers, he runs a hedge fund, he's worth a couple hundred billion dollars, I would break the ice with my bubbly little personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that only went so far. There was a point in that it it turned real, real numbers and real... um, you know, academia, if you will, fast with spreadsheets and quantitative and qualitative numbers for his $30 million state. Um, you know, and I just kept kind of like the, uh, the comic relief in the relationship. Yeah. And I would really kind of lead to whether it's my husband or now Stephanie, somebody who's a little bit more shrewd with just, you know, numbers in general and just like maintaining a very, very intellectual conversation. Um, I kind of lend that to somebody else and I kind of, you know, stand in as a street smart. Yeah. There's the street smart who can kind of show up, meet the really aggressive clients that could care less about the agent. They are just really trying to obtain their newest asset. Um, and I just try to bring a little personality to the table. Okay. Yeah. It's playing to your strength. Interesting. I like that. It's like, you know, that's what makes a good team is like everybody is made up of what they're good at and it's just kind of like divide and conquer. Um, True. You know, the the one the other thing that this whole conversation reminded me of is um, we had a saying in news that, that news stories don't happen in the newsroom and you can't just call people or text them. You have to go out there and knock on doors and like not not aggressively, but get in their face. You know what I mean? You have to you have to engage somebody on a personal level. And it's it's really, really hard. And I think that it's hard in any sales game that you play um, because once you get hit in the face with like a no or somebody's being rude or like why why are you bothering me like like or they hang up on you or whatever you're like geez that doesn't feel yeah. so great i don't think i want to do that again it's just i'll just text them like hey saw your house is for sure. sale like can i represent it and then they don't text you back and you're like well i don't know you know what happened well it's funny because i have um other people who ask me just you know what's the best um, you know, method here. How do you contact people? Mm-hmm. And they always say it's a little bit of an introverted individual who I love, but they are just a different style. They're always like, do you email? And I say, never. Don't email. I never email. Mm-hmm. I would never email because it's an immediate shut door. You're not really trying to even open that door. You're just kind of trying to peek in. You are not actually trying to open it with your email. And I think that it speaks volumes. And I think sometimes, you know, like, you know, not to be biased, but let's just say a dad who's like busy at work, right? And he's like on his outlook all day with his professional emails. And he gets a little ping from, you know, a broker who wants to rent his house in the Hamptons for a couple hundred thousand. Sure, he'll respond, Mm -hmm. right? But the relationship ends there. Mm -hmm. It's strictly business. There's no personality. Um, And so I just think the longevity of that relationship is very limited. I get it. I mean, traditional old school ways to network always is the best, you know, getting out there, seeing someone, speaking to someone at the restaurant or at, at an event at the park and just, just putting yourself out there is the best approach. It's a lot of work. Don't hide behind yeah. the technology. And a lot of people just fall into that realm. They fall into it and they get stuck in that rut. You know, I love the fact that you're just 
anti that. You rather do the opposite, and that's yeah. gonna that's gonna withstand everything. You know, it's true. I wanna I wanna get your take on the inventory and, and the real estate market in general a little bit, but first I wanna get the numbers from Steve, who has a look at last week. All right. Over the past week, there were 25 listings that went to contract compared to the same week last year. There were 41. That's a decrease of 48%. And in 2021, there were 58 listings, which a decrease of 57%. However, you know, we're looking at these 25 numbers, the 25 listings this week. This is was the busiest week in 2023 within contracts. It felt so like interesting. 25, you say, all right, well, it's low from 2022. It's low from 2021. Yeah. Okay, no problem. But if you look at all the numbers in 2023, 25 is a, um, it's a high for the year. It's It's a high for the year. So 25 in contract this week. The breakdown of those 25 transactions, there was two between four and six million, 11 between two and four million, and 12 under two million. The dollar volume was 55 million. Last year, the dollar volume was 113 million. So it's a decrease of 51%. In 2021, the dollar volume was 218 million. That's a decrease of 75%. New listings coming onto the market. There are 26 new listings, so it increases the inventory by one listing. And the breakdown of those 26 new listings, there were four between 10 and 20 million, two between eight and 10 million, four between six and eight million, four between four and six, eight between two and four, and four under two million. Inventory stands at 1,668 listings. That includes active and in contract. There's currently 1,224 active listings and 444 in contract. So wow. you you felt like it it felt like a busy week. Something went into contract for you this week, right? Or last week? Yes, said? yeah. Um yeah. I think three things are going to go into contract this week. Um yeah. so busy it's not even funny. Yeah, agents were calling me saying, "Steve, how do these numbers compare?" And I'm like, "Ah, 25, you know, it's normal." They're like, "Can you go back and look?" And I and I looked and I went back week and week and week all the way up to, you know, the first yeah. week in January and I was like, "You know what?" This was the high. Uh, this and this is a trend. And the past two things weeks, come it was like on 20, but come off. Yeah. It was 22, yep. 25. So like the past three weeks, we see it increasing a little bit. So everyone's like really paying close attention to these numbers now with like everything going on in the news with the banks and everything. Is Hamptons real estate going to um, have an uptick? And um, some believe yes. So we're paying close attention and seeing out how um, these numbers fare over the next couple of weeks. Well, Aaron, do you think that we've become sort of a, an, a like a a, a a bunker asset, like a like people keep using that word? Oh, get your Hamptons bunker sure. during COVID. And do you think that as a financial asset, the Hamptons real estate has turned into sort of um, one of the safe, like one of the in in the minds of an investor, one of the safer places to carry their money? Sure. I mean. I think this whole bank fallout is actually very advantageous. I think most people are going to be going to hard assets. I got calls this week from five people from overseas. Somebody just bought a house they've never seen in London. Um, and the bunker wow. aspect is so real. I mean, look at Hawaii. I mean, yeah. the whole entire island was bought up by billionaires, and it's because... You know, there is this um, forever lasting effect of COVID and the pandemic and people wanting a safe haven for their young or their old and uh, not to be in inner city areas, uh, mm-hmm. even just the burbs in general. I mean, I think a house in Idaho right now is a million dollars um, and that's insane. And that's yeah. because the... Um, 
the people uh, in urban environments are, are saying, Hey, I want to make sure I have another place just in case. Absolutely. It's so funny growing up. I mean, the idea of like owning a million, like, you know, when I was younger, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, it's a million dollar home. It's a million dollars. My God, it's so much money. Now it's like, the new hundred dollars. You know, it's like, it's crazy. Out here for sure. It is. It is for sure. And not to mention, you know, we're working with the 1% of the entire world's wealth, you know. It just, but even like, you know, other, like outside the Hamptons, I mean, that, that price is climbing other cities that I've lived in Tampa, Charlotte, like it's just, um, you know, any place that's like a, a major city and the surrounding areas that, that real estate has just become really, um, yeah. I've had some funny conversations about wealth. I mean, like, um, I had a conversation just a few months ago with somebody and they were like, you know, I'm feeling a little insecure about money. And I'm like, don't you have like $15 million in the bank? Like, don't you have like millions of dollars? And they're like, yeah, but you know, it's, it's really not that much money. <laughs> it's like, that sounds like a lot of freaking money to me, man. It's like, yeah, you know? You, you would freak out if you're in my shoes. <laughs> but but the, the 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 look in her eyes and voice was real. Like she was just like, you know, I'm thinking about doing this and that and the other thing. And then my stock market, it took this. And you know, it's it's very relative money. You know, especially it, it, it is relative. You know, it's all it's relative. Very relative. It's all relative. Like what we have is is something that is more than somebody else can imagine. And we look at other people that have more and yeah. you say, my God, I'll, you know, that's that's incredible. And then they, there's always somebody. Yeah, I always always think about this. I think about how J Lo doesn't allow her luggage to hit the airport floors, and I'm like, you know, (laughs) I get that. that. (laughs) That's like a real thing. If I was worth a couple of hundred million, I would probably ask that my luggage doesn't hit the airport floor. However, my kids eat Cheez-Its off the airport floor because I'm a real person, and it's relative. I don't really care. That's funny. Um, and I think that people that have money are actually more stressed out than individuals who just kind of hustle and oh make, yeah, you got um, and make it by right because mm-hmm. their 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 edges are rounded to that. Um, they threat, don't want to lose. It's right? easy to lose it. That's the thing. And when you have it, and you only have like 15 million of it, it's actually not that much. Only. When uh, when people have a lot more when than you're, you. Well, when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and you're having, you want three houses. And you have all these houses. assets yeah. to support. And, this, and yeah. more, more money, more problems, right? More yeah. money, more problems. <laughs> or what if you're the, the guy or gal who has like a really strong uh, stock portfolio? You know, right. or, yeah. or every like, day it's like, oh my Silicon god, I just ba- lost Valley this. Yeah. guy, you know, yeah. like life's not so fun anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Well, you know what is fun? Things to do in the Hamptons. Oh, man, that was good. Right? Oh, that was great. I didn't plan that. That was great. It really so, is. Tagline. <laughs> copyright. So let's send it over to Dave with what is happening. Uh, but what are budget-friendly things that are happening this mm-hmm. week? You can go to a parade for free, right? Yes, budget-friendly. So enjoy your life. So the Montauk St. Patty's Day Parade is officially Sunday, March 26th at 12 p.m. March is St. Patrick's Month. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. We're doing it the whole month. That's all right. And I like how I like how all the villages kind of work together to not do it at the same time. Yeah, hey. And just, I also appreciate that they put Montauk last because that's the coldest of the area. So like the further into spring, the better. But um, it's estimated that 40,000 people will be there. Uh, Saunders is going to be there. We have a little Saunders office there. We're going to have a bunch of people uh, out there taking pictures and handing 40, out. 40,000. Yeah, handing out little gifts and stuff. I think Stephanie's going to be out there. Oh, weekend. I'll be there. 
Yeah, Stephanie will be there. Stephanie's going to be working the Saunders office, handing out free lemonade. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Getting her newest client. Or at the open house at 29 Deerwood. Yes. Oh, right. Or that. All right, we'll get to that after, because I want to hear about that. <laughs> okay, That's good. The, but, so wrap up your thing, and then we'll, we'll what do else the we have going final on? thought. Yeah. I want to know. So then staying with the St. Patrick's Day theme, Rowdy Hall is having Irish specials on their menu. So that's Rowdy Hall in East Hampton. And you can get a bunch of interesting Irish food. Do you know one item? Such as the corned beef and ah, cabbage. Or the pie. Irish sausage mashed potatoes. Mm. Or a Guinness beer battered cod. And a chocolate Guinness cake. So a lot of Guinness things going on there. Yep. Yep. So, you know, that should be fun. And then... As per Stephanie, I had no idea this existed, but there's a restaurant called Ilia Estiar. I'm just going to call it Ilia. Ilia Estiar Torio, but we'll just call it Ilia. It's Nailed in it. Bridgehampton. Amazing. It's, in, it's right in Bridgehampton, and it's a Greek restaurant, and they have a $44 three-course prefix from 5 to 6.30 almost every day of the week, including Saturday. And also from five six thirty, they have an excellent happy hour. So very, yeah, very, I recommend very good the Dollar hour. Oysters, With, and they have a great drink special. Yes, yep. and they have great drink specials there. So I'm actually going to put that one on my list because I always kind of notice it, but when we're in Bridgehampton, we never think to go. We, you know, there's, it's kind of in that kind of off the road a little bit, and that place needs to get some more love. So we'll, we'll have to definitely, get definitely. But there. they are closed on Sundays, so definitely go on Saturday. Right. <laughs> Very good. Oh, you know so that's your Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they have this. Right. <laughs> Step back from I'll the mic be, just I'll a little bit. I'll be there. What's, go- what's going on with the open house? Yeah, this new listing coming on, yes? Uh, actually, I think this uh, one that Stephanie's doing in the open house is a revised home. Uh, it's been on the market, but the offering has improved because they have done some improvements, including adding bathrooms and bedrooms. Uh, so now the price has remained the same. So hopefully there'll be a better out. A little uh, bit more for the money. A little thing. bit more for okay. the money. We're trying to up our, our ante here. And, right. uh, but a very exciting new listing is coming on the market. Ooh. You want to tease it? I mean, it's in Sag Harbor Village Fringe for under 2 7 like wow. new construction. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. I like the little, te- I like, yeah, I like the little teasers, the little Instagram you to, teasers. You have like to contact Aaron at soon, Saunders. You know, and you're okay. like, oh, boy, what's that one? So a mm-hmm. 2.7 Sag Harbor Village house. Is that a pool? On 0. 0.70 of an acre, which abuts a 100-acre nature reserve, it comes with chickens that lay eggs daily, and wow. it has a pool. Oh, my God. That sounds good. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about the chicken. Oh, yeah. Comes with the chicken. You have to come to the house to see the chickens. Nice. Yeah. And where's the open house? She's having an open house. Or that is the open house. She's having a breakfast open house. Yeah, right. <laughs> Scramble eggs. Fresh eggs. No, I'm having... Um, I'm having... Just um, for Easter. I'm having corned beef and cabbage <laughs> at our open house this weekend. So where's the open house and this Guinness. weekend? Because this is not... Do you have a, this is not the second It's all very house. confusing. The, so the open yeah. house this weekend is... 29 Deerwood Path. Okay. okay. Which is Sag Harbor. What day? What time? Saturday, two to three thirty. How okay. much is this house? Three, four, and they are motivated. Three, four, motivated, and then if you want the secret listing, the new listing coming on Sag Harbor, reach out to Aaron. 
please. We got to let her go now because her phone's ringing. It's yeah, time it to get is. back to work. Time um, is money. <laughs> that's perfect. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. That was a great podcast. Uh, awesome. That's it, everyone. That is Thursday. I'm Andrew Dowd, and that's what's happening in the Hamptons. Mm-hmm.